This is Killstreak. Adult members of the Losers Club, this is Killstreak episode 165. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, except for one time, except Mr. For Mike Price. Hi, Hello, Mike. Hello, Eric. Really dug deep for that opener, huh? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> is this just, is it, tell me in your process, has it just morphed into now coming up with a way to describe? like the characters from the movie we're doing um sometimes sometimes i want to know your i want to know your process usually it's something in the movie that mm. makes me write it down okay uh and in this case i wrote nothing down <laughs> um so i was kind of scrambling for something okay okay but yeah usually it's just like a specific from the movie uh, I mean, or, that's specific from the movie. Yeah, it's it a is. Fun, it's a fun play off of last week's. And that's kind of more, because it's, yeah. I mean, who are we fucking kidding here? Yeah. It's one movie we're doing in it two is. different episodes. <laughs> what do you mean? This is part two. You're right. This is part two. I mean, at least in our defense, it aired on two different nights. Mm-hmm. You know? They it were did, presented did. as separate, you know, episodes. And as was pointed out to us, uh, I won't mention by who. It was also on two different tapes. There was a yeah. break in between. So. I knew that. I know you knew that. I'm just I'm just trying to give someone a little thrill. I'm not even going to mention. <laughs> Their little dick got hard. <laughs> oh, dear. Dear me. Okay. Um, hey, do you want to go see The Boogeyman? I do. Okay. We should do that this week. Okay. Uh, this we'll do. We're doing inverse media diet. What do you want to go? See? Yeah, what do you want to go see? Um, uh, oh, you want know I, I didn't Spider really. Verse, of course. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. No, no, yeah. What you what? Um, I did watch a couple of things. Uh, which whatever we, I watched a couple of Lucio Fulci movies. Uh, oh, yeah. One was a western, a non horror western, mm-hmm. and the other was the New York Ripper, which I said I didn't really want to talk about on the podcast, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I heard it was a little dicey. It's it's a very sleazy movie with a lot of mm-hmm. graphic violence against women. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in spite of that, I I liked it. <laughs> sure, like yeah. it, it's just I don't know. It's just like a weird, mean little thing mm-hmm. that I, I was kind of into. Not like in like a, yeah, cut those bitches up <laughs> way. <laughs> just just like I don't know. I, I appreciated because um, it's kind of stylish and, mm-hmm. and like cool looking. Yeah. Um, and then the the f- western that I watch is the Four of the Apocalypse, which is a strange, slow kind of lyrical, but sometimes very violent movie. Mm-hmm. Which um, yeah. I would like to watch again, kind of knowing what I know now, because I think I was I, I actually found it because I looked up what are the most violent westerns of all time, and yeah. this was frequently in lists. And it's not that violent unless I watch some sort of like neutered version of it. Yeah. There's some like really crazy gunshots and stuff, but for the most part, it's like, you know, 
especially considering it's Lucio Fulci. Um, it's I mean, there's like some pretty crazy. graphic stuff. Like, like someone yeah. gets skinned at one point, like part of their body. But like, to make a list of like the top ten graphic westerns, it, I, I expect a little more. Anyway, it's it's um, no bone tomahawk. It's no bone seen. tomahawk. Exactly. It's a great. Should I see that movie? Is that movie good? I like it. Oh, okay. actually, I really want to watch Dragged Across Concrete with uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Vince Vaughn. I heard because I heard Is there's this like a new a, movie. Uh, it's from a few years ago after okay. Mel had been canceled. Okay, but I heard that it's like it it it's getting a little bit of a reevaluation. I think by some okay. people. I don't know, so I want to check that out. Um. Not to hijack this segment, but the other thing I watched part of last night because I saw a tweet about it on yeah. Tubi. There's a a a thing. I don't even call it a movie. <laughs> called the Bigfoot, the Mothman, and the Chupacabra. Okay. And it is written, illustrated, edited, and performed oh, yeah. by AI. Yeah, I saw I saw a, a screenshot of this. Yeah. And so, so I what was, was like, it like? I have to see what this is. It's just like a documentary where mm-hmm. a computer person who's like looks like a real person, they must have just like changed his mouth, you know what I mean, depending on the words he's yeah. speaking. Uh just talked facts about I only watched like five minutes of it. Okay. And it's just like it's just like facts about Bigfoot that are illustrated with AI images of like Bigfoot is very boring. How's the narration? It's like a human voice, but it's very uh, monotone and doesn't really have a lot of inflections. It'd be like the Bigfoot was first spotted in the Pacific Northwest and blah, 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 blah. And it it doesn't sound like a robot. It just sounds like a really boring person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then the images are what you'd expect from AI illustrations, like a little grotesque and weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I didn't watch much of it because it was very, very boring. And it made me a little bit hopeful that just AI generated stuff sucks so hard that nobody will actually <laughs> want to watch it. Sure. But I don't know. I, I'm sure it'll get better I and think replace it's gonna, us all. I think it'll suck for a pretty long time. I think so, too. That's not a thing. Because the thing you got to keep in, like, the thing that comes into my head is that's something that, like, most people aren't good at. Mm-hmm. Like, it requires such a human skill that it's, like, 75% of the population can't do it because you have to be too creative, you know? I thought of that, too. And I was like, I because re- I had recently watched just, like, Late Night with my mom's husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were, like, up late past everybody else. He put on this, like um like true tales of the west it was on fox it was like okay. produced by like um oh shit what's the guy uh i want to uh, fuck not glenn beck the other one the fuck it will do bill o'reilly bill o'reilly it was, yeah. a, it was produced by bill o'reilly <laughs> and it was like the episode i saw was about billy the kid and it was all like reenactments and it sucked and my mom's husband definitely thought part of it was real which was yeah <laughs> Which I didn't have a heart to, to correct him. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, I would rather watch this intensely mediocre thing written by yeah. humans and performed by humans mm-hmm. than this 
AI dog shit any day of the week. Yeah. But, yeah, that's just me. I'm no Joe Russo, who I think supports all this shit, because he just... Fuck it. It makes me so goddamn mad. Yeah. The Russo brothers are shitheads. Or, I'm sorry, um, you broke up there. What? Uh, I said the Russo brothers are shitheads. Yes, they seem to be shitheads. They seem like they were good once, but they've been sucked into the machine and changed by it. Yeah. And... I just can't believe it all started with them directing like some episodes of Community. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Good episodes of Community. I know they yeah. they are good episodes. I don't know Captain Winter Soldier. That was their first feature. That's that was good my movie. F- my favorite yeah. Marvel movie for a long time. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite now? Um, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Did I talk about watching Guardians 3? Yes. I saw yeah. that in the theater. Okay. Yeah. I, I always forget what I've talked about. Um, well, I know one thing I want to talk about really fast, but I'll go through it really fast, way faster than I did when we were on a trip this weekend. Mm. Um, folks might remember from way back in the early days, I think towards the tail end of the first season, uh, during the pandemic, I watched all the Star Wars movies. Oh, yes. In a, yes. In chronological order chronological release order and uh ranked them and i have now completed the same task for star trek um i started with friend of the podcast ross Mm -hmm. uh but continued on on my own and so uh without further ado here are the 13 star trek films ranked from last to first oh wow okay jj abrams star trek into darkness is the worst star trek movie that's the second one that's the second one. Okay. Um, not so much a reflection of its production value as its complete lack of a soul mm-hmm. um, and anything really interesting uh, or unique about it. Uh, then uh, Insurrection, the second Next Generation movie. It's just very bad. Um, Star Trek The Motion Picture, almost unwatchable from a storytelling perspective, but it looks kind of cool. Mm. Um, and the original cast is the best cast. Mm. Um Nemesis, the third next-gen movie, also very bad. Uh, Weird that Tom Hardy was ever that skinny. Oh, Um, I didn't realize he's in it. Yeah. He plays a clone of Picard. Whoa. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Then J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Uh, Man, it's aged poorly. Really? (laughs) But it feels like a time capsule. It's like, oh, yeah, this time in movies when this is... I guess what people wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me also angry that they let him do Star Trek and Star Wars. That's fucking, um, that drove me crazy too. Yeah. The thing with the JJ movies that everybody said is they're not Star Trek movies. Like he completely discards basically what makes Star Trek, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, Final Frontier, the Shatner directed original series movie. Not great. Not nearly as bad as people like to joke. It's just mediocre. Uh, Search for Spock. That's the third original series. Then Star Trek Generations. Mm. That's the crossover one. Mm-hmm. It's got some interesting stuff. It also gets pretty boring towards the end. Uh, Star Trek Beyond, the most recent Star Trek movie, and shockingly just nosed its way into the top five. It is the only one of those new movies that feels like Star Trek. And this uh, is a J.J. movie? Uh, it's Justin Lin, but it's J.J. Oh, okay. produced. Yeah. 
Um, and it's like, cause I do like Chris Pine yeah, yeah. and I like some of the other, I, I like, you know, some of the other cast members a lot. Rest in peace, Anton Yelchin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great. And he's great in the third one. He's got a lot, a lot more to do. That was um, a sad celebrity death. Very sad. Yeah. Younger than us. Yeah. Um, first contact, the first next generation movie. Still pretty good. The Borger will always be cool. Mm-hmm. Sounded like I said Borger. The Borger. <laughs> I really want a Borger. <laughs> Just Borg. Top three. Uh, number four of the original series, Voyage Home. That's the one where they go back to modern to 80s San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. And kidnap whales. It's very fun. It's goofy, but it's fun. Um, here's where it gets controversial, Eric. Uh, a lot of people seem to have a pretty uh, unanimous pick for the best Star Trek movie. I beg to differ. I think the second best Star Trek film is The Wrath of Khan. Mm. Uh, it is great. But the best Star Trek movie is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Wow. Um, check it out. If you haven't seen it in a long time or haven't seen it at all, you should watch it. I haven't really seen any Star Trek movies, to be quite wow. honest. I got to check them out. Yeah, you could start with two, watch two, three, four, six, and then yeah. if you want to watch First Contact or Star Trek Beyond, that would be good. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm so anal that I need to like watch. I almost started watching the original series recently, mm. um, but I it's, saw it so long that well, yeah, maybe, there's a lot of episodes. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know if I have the temerity to do it. I'm almost done watching all the next gen. That's a shit. That's like a hundred. That's more than 150 episodes. I know. I, I like, um, I'm only like a third of the way through that. And I kind of fell yeah. off by it to get back. Yeah. That's an easy one to come in and out of. There's really so little. It's so episodic. It's so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, okay. I guess we should pivot to today's half of a movie. I suppose. Okay. Part two of the it mini series. Uh, we left off last week, uh, having wrapped up most of the kids stuff and we had a fun suicide cliffhanger (laughs) (laughs) that's just literally a cross dissolve in the, in this version Mm -hmm. (laughs) Have to pause in the middle of a dissolve. Um, so I said, I talked a little bit more about the making of the movie this week, which I will, I'll try to be somewhat brief because I just talked about Star Trek for five minutes. What do you think? Was that three minutes or five minutes? That was like three minutes. Okay, cool. I tried to move quickly. Yeah. Uh, about this thing. Well, I mean, you know, sci-fi. It's it's a neighbor to horror, so I feel like it's not so bad to talk about. Um. Okay. So, when this thing went into development, guess who was originally signed on to direct it, Eric? Oh. Someone very important to you, Mick Garris. So close. George Romero. Oh. Um, yes. Uh, he did not direct it. As, as you may have noticed. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was you know, a long period of development. I think a year plus. Um, they didn't have a cast or anything when he signed on. Um, but I guess he worked pretty deeply into it. He had a lot of notes. He did storyboards. Um, he had all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, according to sources, he had a scheduling conflict, quote unquote, with Night of the Living Dead. But I, I think his exit also had something to do with the producers kept uh, 
chopping episodes off and shortening oh, uh, how long it was going to be. So it, when it was originally planned, it was going to be four two-hour pieces. Okay. So it would have been an eight-hour miniseries, hmm. which I think you could certainly fill uh, yeah, with, sure. with, with this book. Um, then at a certain point, they went to six, and then they finally ended up with two... Um, kind of carving it along the way. And Romero jumped off somewhere between six and four, I think. Um, it's a good thing he did, because we all know, Night 90. It needed uh, him. It needed him as a producer. <laughs> um, so uh, I think I talked about the writer last week, Lawrence Cohen, um, who was the carry guy. Um, so he did, uh, he did a, a draft of the... Well, he did multiple drafts of the script and eventually landed on something that, you know, uh, the network wanted to do. When Tommy Lee Wallace signed on, he uh, read the script without reading the book because okay. he 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 wanted to see how it worked as a movie, basically, um, and kind of landed in a place where, as someone who didn't know what was in the book, he felt like there were a bunch of holes and it didn't really make sense. Um, but, uh, there was a back and forth with Cohen about doing a new draft and instead Tommy Lee Wallace then sat down, read the book and then wrote a new draft of the script based on Cohen's script. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it was a rewrite. It wasn't a new script, you know? Uh, and that's what we ended up with on the screen. Um, obviously there's a lot of stuff taken out. Um, do you want to know... I'm just going to read something right from the Wikipedia. We can comment on it or not comment on it. This is a quote from Annette O'Toole, who plays Beverly Marsh as an adult. Mm -hmm. um, and this is about certain things that were left out of the movie. Uh, okay, so Annette says... Drumroll, I scrolled too far away from it. Here we go. There it is. Uh, O'Toole has admitted to disliking the removal of the loser's orgy scene. Quote, This was their greatest attachment to one another. She thought they were all going to die, and this was a gift she was giving to each one of them. And I thought it was the most beautiful, generous, love-filled gift. And it tied them all together in such an amazing way. Wow. Uh, yeah. I sh make a note to become friends with the Netto tool. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Huh. Uh, it's an interesting interpretation. It is. I mean. I think it's overlooking some key things. Yeah. I think that's, it's like, it's just a horribly dated thing that, mm -hmm. like we discussed, wasn't even like appropriate at the time. Yeah. Um, like at least, you know, age him up to like 15. Yeah. 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 I like mean, that's still troubling, then, but it's, it's yeah. weird. I mean, I, I mean that, that was the intention Stephen King mm -hmm. wrote it, you know, that Stephen King had when he wrote it. Yeah. But I don't know, to me, just never really <laughs> no. completely. It was like five guys, one girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot of work for young Beverly. Jesus. Okay. We're shifting gears. Um, 
Uh, Cohen also talked about wanting to do a different ending than the book. Uh, he wanted to have uh, more Pennywise shape shifting, which potential spoiler alert: careful what you wish for, because we'll get to see what that looks like. Ah. Um. Then, um, yeah, King was unhappy about the loss of depth developing the main characters stories as adults. Yeah. Um, adults specifically, but also they lose a little bit as kids too. Well, not more than a little bit, but, but you know, less so than the adults. Yeah. The adults are, they all get a scene basically. Yeah. To establish who they are. I mean, spoiler going a little forward. That was, mm. I was kind of taken aback by that one fact. Yeah. Yeah. You just launch into it now. Yeah, let's we'll put a pin in that because I have more to yeah. say. Uh, the movie, like I said, shot in the couve. Uh, I hope my mic didn't peak on that one, but I was excited to say couve. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's all around Canada, Western Canada, British Columbia. Um, yeah, Tommy Lee Wallace had a cool... Um, kind of take on the movie um which was basically just you know there was a quote that i had that i have now lost track of because i am doing a half-assed job today um (laughs) never but but he's essentially just talking about how um you know his goal with this mini series was to sort of show how you could make something unique and scary without violence much violence or gore because it's a network thing but just by doing it in a way where things are strange and unexpected mm-hmm. um which uh i mean based on how we felt about last week's half at least you know he certainly accomplished that at times um yeah so that's fun stuff special effects um were done by the same people who did predator 2 oh yeah um, I guess Pennywise. that makes sense when you think of like the texture of the yeah. like monster skin. Yeah, yeah, there is some crossover there, isn't there? It would be cool if he was just the predator. That'd be really scary. Yeah, I'd be scared. I'd be scared. What is, like a super predator? Oh my god! Has anybody clown, ever thought of that? A clown predator? <laughs> Come on! I mean, or what you about, know, I'm not talking about John Wayne Gacy here. No, no, no. <laughs> what about a clown xenomorph? What would that look Holy like? Holy shit. It's got like a, the inner mouth has a red nose on the top. <laughs> yeah. That sounds fun. Uh, we okay. like to have fun here at Killstreak. Yeah. The Pennywise makeup was done by the same woman who did his crazy devil makeup in Legend. Oh. Um, so that makes sense because that makeup is nuts and- mm-hmm. Honestly, like a movie that is sort of whatever, but I think of his get up in that and I'm like, that is one of the better like yes. practical effects makeup jobs I've seen in, in anything. It's one of the coolest looking depictions of like the devil or you know, a demon. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen Legend, you don't have to watch the whole thing. You could just uh, look this up. <laughs> That's worth checking out. Um, yeah. And then 
What was I going to say? Yeah, lots of effects stuff. Anyways, this thing came out. It was a big hit. 30 million viewers over two nights. Like, each night. Average 30 million each night. Um, it was event TV. Um, the uh, the network was sort of... Sort of uh, the thought process behind it. They were trying to capitalize a little bit off of the success of Stand By Me. Um and they, they mm. thought let's let's try to get another Stephen King property with kids in it and see if we can make that float. We all float down here. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's sort of a strange place to leave it, but frankly I don't have much else interesting to say. I, I'd love to just get into talking about this movie with you. All right. Well, you are pulling the parachute cord, so let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. You, that is a natural place for it to wrap up. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about how we felt about the second half of Stephen King's It. There's been another murder. 30 years ago, they were the misfits, bound together to fight their worst fears. Every nightmare you ever had. I'm everything you ever were afraid of. Maybe it's some kind of evil being that can read our minds. I want to kill it. Swear to me that if it isn't dead, we'll all come back. Now, it's back for revenge. The killing start up again. Six so far, maybe more. Together again, they'll fight to the death. Lucky seven. We're all here now. Get out of Derry while you still can. I'm going back in. This time I'm going to kill it. Something bad's going to happen to one of us, maybe all of us. Let's finish it once and for all. John Ritter, Harry Anderson, Annette O'Toole, Richard Masser, Tim Reed, Dennis Christopher, Richard Thomas, and Tim Curry. Stephen King's It. All right, this picks up in the Wikipedia entry, or the wiki entry. Uh-oh, it just scrolled to the top. Oh no! After uh, quick Stan's... price vamp, I'm vamping. Uh... <laughs> After Stan is found by his wife. Um. Okay. The other losers return to Derry, tormented by Pennywise, and reunite. Later, learning of Stan's suicide, Henry escapes from the asylum with the help from it to murder the losers. Audra, Bill's wife, travels to Derry, but is captured by it, hypnotized by the monster's deadlights. Henry ambushes Mike, but is stabbed by his own knife when Eddie and Ben fight him. Mike is hospitalized, giving Bill the two pieces of silver he retrieved from the sewers. The five remaining losers return to the sewers, to confront it. Bill discovers Audra has been taken prisoner, but is supported by his friends. Hmm. But is, that's a weird sentence. <laughs> they reach its inner sanctum, find the, cata- find the catatonic Audra in its true form of a gigantic otherworldly spider. Bill, Ben, and Richie are entranced by the deadlights, while Beverly scrambles to retrieve the silver bullets after misfiring them. Eddie attempts to repeat the wound he inflicted on it as a child, but is mortally wounded. Beverly frees her friends, but Eddie dies. 
The others chase the injured it, ripping out its heart and killing it. They remove Eddie's body in the catatonic Audra from the sewers. The losers go their separate ways once again, their memories of it fading over time. Mike recovers in the hospital. Beverly and Ben get married and expect their first child. And Richie is cast in a film. Bill is the last to leave Derry, coaxing Audra out of her catatonia by riding down the street on his childhood bike, Silver. Audra recovers and kisses Bill in the middle of town. Um, this kind of misses the them returning and each yeah. individually having their own terrifying vision of Pennywise. Yeah. Now we get these adult Pennywise interactions as they all come back. Yeah. And then also probably worth mentioning is just this this whole running thing of memory and forgetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is touched on briefly in the first half, but you know, they all have sort of forgotten most of what happened and as they come back to Derry they start to remember it. Yeah. Um, and then at the end they all start forgetting again after they've dispatched Pennywise, which is right. weird. <laughs> yes. But that's part of the book, I, I think. It is part of the book, yeah. 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 Um, and also it doesn't cover after they all get together at a Chinese food restaurant, um, they have a terrifying dinner. <laughs> as <laughs> Pennywise comes to, to haunt them all at once. Yeah, all at once. After individually visiting them like for instance beverly sees a dead old woman in her old childhood home and mm. finds out her father's died um richie sees it in the um library yeah uh, that's a good Ed- scene yeah eddie sees it in the pharmacy where he gets his inhaler which the pharmacist tells him is just water with some flavoring because yeah. he doesn't actually have asthma yeah. ben goes back down to the what do they call it is it the barons yeah something like that i forgot i i got it wrong last time i tried to guess yeah um but you know he goes to the place where as a kid he saw his um he saw his his ghost army dad i forget which branch of the armed forces he was in but Mm -hmm. uh yeah um what else uh what else did they miss just trying to think there's a lot of business at the uh hotel uh, in the library. Yeah, a lot in the library and then in the restaurant. Once the um, that's like kind together. of the longest scene is this restaurant sequence where they yeah. arrive, say hi to each other, Beverly faints, and then they have dinner where they're catching up and then yeah. Pennywise comes through the fortune cookies. Yeah. Did we get much? Did they? What? I'm trying to remember. Did you recap? How much did you say about Henry Bowers? Not much. There wasn't much in there, but he's... Uh, been in the mental institution and he's been blamed for all of the murders of children back in the yeah fifties or sixties, um, I guess in this yeah. case. And then he stabs Mike and then he, he gets stabbed, stabbed and he's yeah. gone. Uh, okay. Well, this one is, it'll be a little weird if you haven't watched it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah Definitely. Because that recap and then our attempt to patch it up a little bit is just not particularly comprehensive. So there's, you know, this is one of those where uh, you probably should have seen this. I don't know. But I don't want to deter people who haven't from listening to the episode. Just just throwing it out. I mean, that being said, let's get into Blood and Guts check. Okay. There's not much that happens mm. 
in this half. And but I mean, there's things. Let me clarify. A lot of things technically do happen, mm-hmm. but it all feels very thin. Uh, and mm. I don't know if you felt that way too. It, it all felt very rushed. Um, yeah. And I definitely feel like the first half contains the best stuff. Yeah, I think it. It. I certainly would agree. If you told me, if I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's like a lot of what they had to take out to get it down from eight hours to six hours to four hours. Mm-hmm. I think a lot more came out of this half than the first half. I think so too. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we talked, uh, well, I guess, do you want to give more of your blood and guts check before I give my blood and guts check? Yeah. Um, I think as a whole, just about everything in this one was not as good as the first half. Mm. I don't think it's particularly scary. I don't, some of the effects like, I like the dead old lady and stuff, but some of the scares I didn't think were particularly scary. Yeah. And that final confrontation with Pennywise Mm -hmm. just is so rushed that. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I do appreciate a practical spider, but it doesn't yeah. look that yeah great. this one is not great um and there's some other stuff down here that's kind of cool mm-hmm. um yeah like especially like just navigating the sewers before they get into like the spiders lair yeah and even some of the mat stuff in the lair but yeah it's what it really comes down to is movement yeah is it's like yeah the spider doesn't look awesome but it moves really slowly mm-hmm and makes the whole thing sort of, and then there's just really no, there's not much articulation of the face, which kind of no, makes the no. whole thing a lot less scary than it, than it maybe could be. Yeah. Uh, um, so what was your blood nuts check? Um, yeah, I think, I think you're mostly right on. I think there are parts of this that I like. Um, and, and it's like, but I do think it almost sort of deteriorates as it goes on. Mm-hmm. So it's like the whole movie almost has like diminishing returns all the way through to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do kind of like everybody coming home and having their run-ins with Pennywise. Like those are all sort of, yeah, that's to cool. me, you know, they're interesting. Uh, some of them are really well done. I think, uh, Richie in the library is a scene that always stuck with me as being pretty scary. Um, and that's one that really made me think about what Tom and Lee Wallace was saying. Um, because again, to jump forward just a little bit, I was thinking about how this scene plays in the, the new film mm-hmm. and thinking specifically about how the set design and the lighting is is very different between these two presentations in in the new one in the muschietti you know incarnation of the second Mm -hmm. half of this book it's as fucking predictable horror movie as it could be it's like the scariest library you've ever seen yeah yeah, yeah. empty and echoey and you walk in and you're immediately like well some some awful shit's gonna happen in here yeah whereas in this movie it looks like a library. Yeah, and there are people there. Yeah, there are people there. Um, yeah, and so it's more of those sort of like uh, 
strange and scary things invading the normal world, I think is often more scary than trying to make a really ominous setting that then provides almost no surprises, you know? Right. Yeah. I think one of the things I really do like about the scares in this one is that I like the runner of them being the only people who can see them. So everybody else Mm -hmm. around them is like, wait, what's going on? Why are you like the woman in the Chinese restaurant? Yeah. For instance, or like the people in the library, um, it just makes, I don't know, it's scarier to me. Yeah, absolutely. You feel like you're going insane. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's almost, here's the thing. To me, it almost feels like a little more real in some way because Mm -hmm. I I feel like if, if, you know, if all of a sudden, if you're, you know, in the Chinese restaurant and all of a sudden it's empty and quiet and the lights have gone dark, it's like that feels very cinematic but not in a good way in a way in which it's like predictable and yeah. and also it's just uninteresting and it's know? also like well, is pennywise like did he build this chinese right <laughs> are we supposed <laughs> yeah. to believe that he built this library yeah no it's a library yeah and, and he's invading it and he's yeah. the scary part of it not like right the setting yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, there there are some instances where I I would flip that criticism on its head. Something we can talk about uh, later down the line, but um, we get this scene of who is is it Stan? I think it's young Stan goes into this. Um, well, you know, scary house. Basically. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and it's very like eighties. Like it's all fucking purple, velvety fabrics, and yeah, uh, it's a very weird looking interior. It's it's interesting, but it's more kind of like what is this place than it is scary. Um, the first, the new, the new version of this actually presents like something much closer to a haunted house, but I think at least my memory of the way they kind of use that setting is cool. Cause it's like, well, every, like it's, it's, it becomes something where it's like a haunted house is, is a trope. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just like the other stuff I was sort of talking about, but you know, it, I don't know what, exactly how I would even put it, but it's just it, haunted houses when approached a certain way can be really effective. And then sometimes, they're not. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like uh, now I'm just giving feedback on the movie we we're going to watch next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, the silver bike should have been built up more. If yeah. it's if it's like the big payoff at the end and like yeah. he Bill res- gets it as like Mike bought it at a pawn shop. Right. My memory of the first one is it doesn't really come up. Right. Like it doesn't. Sp- he rides no, it. I mean, but yeah, they, they ride it, but I don't. Yeah, they don't really talk about it much. Um, it's like for in order for that to pay off more, they needed to build that thing up a bit. Yeah. Also, I mean, my pitch uh, is maybe just don't do it for yeah. the ending because it's really cheesy. It's a really bad ending. Yeah. It's um, really really dumb. This whole movie would benefit from it just. Cause we get this thing where they're all hugging 
And then we get this... Well, they're not hugging, sorry. They rip the heart out of the spider thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Bill looks like he's going to eat it. Um, and then, the, yeah, then they're all hugging outside with Eddie's body. And then it, you know, fades back to when they were kids in the same situation. And it's like, great, that's... That's it. I mean... You bookended it, it's done. You could have made the movie better by cutting, you know, like the five minutes at the end with... yeah. Olivia Hussey on the bike or even that whole storyline. Yeah. She doesn't need to be there. She really, yeah. I don't know if it plays better in the book, but she doesn't do much for this. I, I don't even remember it happening in the book, to be quite honest. I'm sure it does. Um, But like, yeah, they could have cut that all of Olivia Hussey's stuff. and yeah. Just concentrated on specifically the adults um, storyline. Mm-hmm. And then that would have made it a much better movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was your favorite of the um, of the adult uh, kind of opening encounters with Pennywise? What left the biggest impact? Um, let me think about them. There's so it's Beverly with the old lady, mm-hmm. Eddie with the pharmacist, Richie yeah. in the library, Ben. Does he see a skeleton in, in the swamp? Is that what it yes, is? Yes, yeah. His his dad now, the dad ghost, is is a slimy, tarry skeleton. Yeah. And then Bill... What was Bill's? Just a lot of bike business. Yeah, okay. He's there fixing wasn't... the bike, and then he sees Pennywise. And okay, okay. He gets I... all freaked out. Um, I guess it was Beverly with okay. the old lady. What about you? Um... I think it's probably Richie in the library, although I did enjoy Eddie's pharmacy stuff too. Because it played kind of just like a little mini, it's almost like a little short film where you see this scene of him as a kid and the doctor trying to explain to him that he's on placebo drugs. Yeah, that was cool. Time traveling Brian Cranston. Yeah, right? <laughs> I spent the first two, like first twenty seconds of that scene. I'm just like, this guy's too old, right? It can't be Cranston. Is yeah, Cranston yeah. an old man makeup? No. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. What else? Oh, another thing I just want to point out the the modern day pharmacist. The I guess the pharmacist's son. son. Guy's got a weird shaped head. <laughs> <laughs> um, Audra is in the book. Um, okay. I, I yeah. don't remember her for some reason. I mean, yeah, I don't think they would have cooked her up. Yeah, it seems they would like, have cooked her up. Yeah, it seems like they're you know they're complaining about how they couldn't stray from the book too much. I don't think you just make a whole new no. character who kind of doesn't add anything. Um, one thing in the book that's not in this uh, that I wish was, but I understand it's, they couldn't do it then. Is mm-hmm. Richie's a cokehead in the book, which ah. I think makes more sense of his energy. Sure. Or at, least, at least he's like when we first meet him, I believe he's like snorting coke. He's pretty uh, frantic. He's pretty frantic in like his behavior in the library and stuff. I think makes more sense if he's on coke. Sure. Yeah. Or like wanting coke. Yeah. Um, I would like to get your take on how the story leads us back into the sewer and then to the spider reptile yeah. spider confrontation. And then maybe we can touch on that whole big ending sequence a little bit more. Sure. So what I was just going to throw out there as sort of a talking, like a, a starter talking point is I don't know that I got 
like it's all supernatural. I get that, but I don't think that I got quite enough like justification or really just like planning um, mm-hmm. that like naturally leads these characters back. Yeah, it's more kind of just like, well, we don't know what to do, so we're just gonna go back to. The we're gonna story. go back there. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way too. And isn't like Stan's head is like the final. Yeah. Straw. And that did not work for me at all. No. That was goofy as shit. It's a little goofy, but I kind of like, I like the visual. Yeah. I think the, the Stan is, the guy they cast as Stan, adult Stan, is too funny. Yeah. He's like, he looks like a comedian or something. Um. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So I, I agree. Like that whole part is the most rushed. Yeah. The, the, the rush to the finish is just, it's exactly that it's rushed um just suddenly they're like oh well it's i mean it's similar to the first half where the kids are like well we got to do something and then they're in the fucking Mm -hmm. sewers yeah yeah we get we get rushed through that stuff for sure um and also i know we're talking about leading into the end but i do Mm want to throw out too the whole henry like that is so fast yeah, Henry in the in the institution and breaking out and then killing or yeah. stabbing Mike. Yeah, he doesn't. It's like again, <laughs> we don't really need him. No, right? Like, what good does he really do us? He just stabs one of our characters and dies. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. should have made him scarier, or do uh, do more things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also, I get that like he's supposed to be an old guy. Well, okay, there's a couple of problems. One, I know his hair turned white, mm-hmm. but he still looks like he's 20 years older than all the rest of the cast. He does, yeah, yeah. And he's supposed to be, like, five years older than them. Yeah. Um. So, and, and it's just, like, he's goofy. He's, like, not, he should be scary. Yeah. Um. No. He reminds me of um. the nemesis in Tulsa King. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> the guy's name. You know what I'm Like, the guy who has the hair piece that take, he takes yeah. off. Yeah, kind of looks like him. Um, that's the dude from the Wire. From the Wire, yeah, yeah, I remember his yeah. Name. yeah. He's got a big round face. It's just not that scary. Um, before we get into the ending too, because that feels like maybe a good place to wrap things up. But I do just want to say, not to be a jerk about it, but following up on something from last week, mm. this half of the movie very much centers bill as the protagonist mm-hmm. uh it spends the most time with him he does more talking than anyone else and man this guy's a snooze i'm He's not into him snooze yeah his shirt and tie combo looks really dumb too <laughs> it looks like a kid trying to or like pretending to be a science teacher or something yeah yeah and his dumb ponytail his ponytail it's brutal. It reminds me. It, it's 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 very much like the what is it? The first or second episode of I think you should leave. The second season. episode of this season. Yeah. Yeah. It Will does. Forte with a ponytail. Yeah. Uh, it's a phenomenal episode. All right, bam for a second. I gotta close my door. Sure. Um, I liked uh, the moment that he has with Mike after he meets him in the library, where he's like, "Oh, Beverly used to live down here." This is the this is the poor side of town, isn't it? And he's like, "Yep, still is." And then Mike turns around and takes out his key and opens his front door. When, when he's like, "Yeah," I was talking to the listener, but when he's like, "Oh, this is the poor side of town, right?" Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, still is, and that's where Mike lives. <laughs> you enjoyed that? I thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, it's a good bit. Um, okay, big ending. 
Uh, I think, I, you know, from their entrance into the sewer up to when they go through the little door, I'm mostly buying it. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, you know, these... This thing with with Pennywise like kind of projected on the wall is like very simple, but kind of it's it's a little it's weird. It's mm-hmm. you know I think it works just because it's kind of off putting. I think the stuff with the with the newspaper boat is effective, mm-hmm. and I do like the kind of uh, scenic design they created and the lighting for for all this sewer stuff. Yeah, when Georgie shows up, mm-hmm. and I, um. I don't know if we're in there yet, but in the inner sanctum, the the map paintings I thought were yeah. cool. Yeah, really, like and you can tell it's a painting, but in a way that I enjoyed. Yeah, and we've touched on that before, where it's like a good painting that looks that doesn't look realistic is usually more interesting than uh, really pedestrian special like digital effects that yeah yeah don't look interesting at all. You know. Um. The whole thing, for me, stumbles quite a bit in this final confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because of the creature design. Two, because I, you know, I, I'm a fan of not over-explaining things. I'm, I, I'm not an advocate for a ton of exposition, but I do feel like the deadlights. Yeah just really don't get established at all in this yeah, in this yeah. whole thing and then all of a sudden it's like the whole it's the whole crux of you know the climax it's like yeah. it's his it's his weapon and it's just like yeah there were there were lights before i think there was maybe one throwaway line in the first half where they talked yeah. about his dead lights you know but it's not defined it's not mm-hmm. Uh, even in the book, I don't think it's ever really defined. It's just it gets mentioned a lot. Yeah. So it sticks in your head. And when yeah. and then, you know, when it happens, you're like, oh, those are the deadlights. Right. And you don't even really know what that means exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's the coolest thing about a lot of the yeah. shit in the book <clears throat> is that it's like very abstract. Um, but it like it's all very cool and interesting. You're like, well, I don't really have to understand what's happening here. But like yeah. in this case, it's just shiny lights coming out of his belly. Yeah. That you're not really sure. It's like I guess it hypnotizes people. But yeah. other than that, I'm not really sure what else or what it is. Yeah. Now, am I correct? Is what is this how the form is described in the book? Yeah, it's a spider, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But is it like a is it like this sort of reptilian spider or is it just described as a spider? Um, I think uh, I don't remember. I, I just remember a spider, but mm. maybe it does have like some sort of body. Um, let me look it up actually. Okay. I, I I'm looking it. at it again and I'll tell you what's really not working. It's the eyes. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're like almost like googly eyes. Yeah. Um, the eyes could have been a lot more evil. Um, all right. So some more just like little things that were a little too goofy for me to enjoy when they start stacking up in the deadlights when it's like, it's maybe Bill first or yeah, I think it's Bill and then it's Ben and, and, and then, uh, Eddie and they all keep running over and then looking up at it. Yes. Yes. 
The second one is like, okay, I feel like you're not really paying attention. But the third one. Me? Which is Richie. I'm paying attention. No, I'm talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Talking about the scene. That's how much attention you're paying that you did not know what I was talking about. Because you said, I feel like you're not paying attention. No. Yeah, Yeah, I I did say that. And I was saying that to Ben, the character, who does the exact same thing that Bill did. But then Richie does it and it's embarrassing. Yes. It's just like he just runs up and then looks at it and locks himself in place. And I feel bad for them having to act that out. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking about that as I was watching it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I got a little bit of a clarification on okay. Pennywise as a spider. Uh, it's an approximate. Okay. So according to King's book, Pennywise actually is a spider sort of, that's really just the closest visual approximation to what Pennywise's true form actually is, at least to our puny human minds. So I think there's a little bit of wiggle room there okay. of like uh, what, what it can be. I think it, yeah. 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 I mean, let's be honest. This is this is the this is where a lot of scary things crap out is when you have to uh-huh. show us the the scariest thing imaginable and it's not. And it's not. It usually never is. It's I mean, always This is where a lot of Stephen King things yes. crap out also. You're absolutely right about that. Um I still don't understand how Eddie died. I guess it squeezed him too hard. I guess he died a virgin, which is oh if, god! Yeah. If they would have let him fuck Beverly in, in the right. series before, <laughs> I he wouldn't have died thing. a virgin. <laughs> I was like, in the book, this guy's no virgin. Yeah. I know that. His whole life goes down a different path. He's just like a pickup artist. Um, <laughs> And then the final climax after Beverly's nailed this guy with their slingshot, they run down the tunnel and they all tip it over like a cow. Yeah, yeah. It's really weird. They're all like very fearlessly running after it. Yeah, yeah. Now I do kind of, there's something interesting in their fervor yes. as they rip it apart. Yeah, that, I thought um, that was pretty cool. Like the the hoisting of the heart and stuff. Yeah. And it did seem like he was going to eat the heart. Yeah, it did. And there's a lot of sweating. Uh, and just like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. And Richard Tom Bill's face is, is almost orgasmic when he, when he pulls <laughs> the heart out. Um, yeah. But I mean, overall it's just, you know, it's a tough way to end something, mm-hmm. especially something which has, uh, a good size budget for TV, but a pretty modest budget, you know, for doing a big creature effects finale. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, man, all of this has made me want to reread the book. Mm. And I will after yeah. I finish the book that I'm reading now. So unfortunately it won't be anywhere near this uh, this series <laughs> as recovery yeah you can weigh in on it in october yeah exactly um looking at my notes i don't have much else that we didn't cover yeah um yeah i would just say all in all this ending really is just kind of fizzles and yeah unfortunately it's kind of the weakest part of the whole thing the whole four hour I think you're journey. Right. Yeah. And it, it really does like 
it breaks the illusion completely. Mm-hmm. Like it just gets it it surpasses a certain level of of cheesiness that it can't come back from. I agree completely. Okay. Um so for deaths it is a relatively low body count. We get the guard that um Henry stab or kills somehow. Um Henry himself gets stabbed, he gets hoist on his own petard. Um Eddie kind of bloodlessly dies a limp dick virgin and Pennywise uh gets his heart torn out. Um this is kind of a hard one. <laughs> Limp dick versions. Mike, what was your favorite death? Oh boy, uh, I'll say the death of Pennywise. We were just talking about it. The, the yeah. sweaty, the ripping, and the tearing. Yep. Um, that's that's uh, the most interesting one in here to me. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, what else? Yeah, that's the one. That's yeah, there the- are better, scarier effect sequences where no one dies. Mm-hmm than I would say any of the deaths in in this half and maybe in the, you know, I guess technically Georgie is a death in the first half, although it's off, off screen, but you know, yeah. So maybe that's, t- you know, top of the heap. But as far as this goes, it's like, there's better just like, like blood popping out of balloons and shit. Yeah. That, that is way better than any of the deaths. I agree. Yeah. Um, zombie thumbs up or down. Is this movie gory? No, it is specifically not gory. I mean, the, I guess the, uh, the heart's kind of gross, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's, you know, it looks you like show this, could be in yeah. the dark crystal or something. Yeah. You could show this to an 11 year old. Yes. Um, ghost thumbs up or down. Mike, is this movie scary? This half um, of the movie. I'm going to say, Yes, not mm-hmm. consistently, but if I'm grading on like, like it, if I'm 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 gonna make a scaredy cat watch this movie, you know, um, like my friend Adam Leibowitz. Oh yeah, he's um, a scaredy cat. It's famous scaredy cat. Doesn't like to watch horror movies. Um, yeah, there's stuff in the first forty minutes that I think is is scary in the same way that a lot of the stuff is from the first half. Uh, however, like we talked about somewhere around the 45 to 60 minute mark, it drops off precipitously. I agree completely. Um, I mean, I guess I have no, uh, should I play the theme song? I mean, are you, or aren't you a main man? You're right. All right. Cue the theme song. Uh, so I gave this a wicked good last time, and I think that I'll keep that. You know what? I want to give it. I want to deduct some points because the it's kind of the downtown shot mm. that they show mm-hmm. feels a little bit bigger city than what I was. Ex- I would expect okay. out of Derry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly there are, especially at this time. I guess Portland would be the big yeah. city, or. Well, it's Bangor. Is, 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 I think it's yeah, supposed yeah, to be right. Bangor. Yeah. yeah. How big is Bangor? It's pretty big, but it's yeah. it's uh, I you know truthfully I don't remember very very much. Yeah, you know I could see this being in downtown Bangor. Okay. So I'll maintain my wicked good. Okay. Main presentation. Did it feel like a main pharmacy to you? 
Uh, I mean, from the ninety, from nineteen ninety, yeah, probably. I could okay. see like me camping in like a smaller town and going into this. Sure. Like to pick up specifically to pick up my my uh, uncle's insulin, <laughs> and they gave him a hard time because they didn't want to give him needles. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't know why I went into that. Here we are. <laughs> I uh, finally. Smash, slash, or crash into mm-hmm. me. Um, Mike, why don't you go first? I think I went first last time. Okay. Um, for this half of the picture, I am going to have to go with a smash. Um, I think that it is not as good as the first half. Um, does it completely torpedo the entire thing well i guess i'll give you my input on that in just a minute um but for now this half for all the reasons we just discussed i think comes up a little short but there's still plenty to enjoy but again it's mostly in the first half of this thing which would be the middle the third quarter of the mm-hmm. entire thing right um yeah so that's kind of that, that that's where i land right now yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's definitely not as good as the first half and kind of is all downhill from the first 40 minutes or so. Um, but I, it's still charming enough and I have a enough nostalgia mm-hmm. for it that I can't slash yeah. this thing. Yeah. So, therefore, it gets a smash for me. Okay. Eric, mm-hmm. now, slash smash or crash the entirety of the it miniseries this is tougher than i would have expected so i'm probably it's pretty obvious that i'm hovering somewhere between Mm -hmm. a a light crash or a heavy smash yeah and i think i'll vote here with my heart and say it's a light crash okay as a whole what about yourself uh, I'm in the exact same headspace. Yeah. I'm in the exact same smash and crash space. Um, it's a place I'd like to go. Smash and oh, crash boy, space. boy, howdy. You and yeah. me both. Um, I think that it's, it's painfully close. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's one of those things where. I'll give my caveat, which is, you know us, you know me, you know that I like things of a certain age. Uh, and You're talking about and women, it's, right? It's not, yeah, though not creepy. <laughs> yeah. I like the thing, the certain age I'm into is, uh, it's 33 years or older. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, 1990 counts as the 80s and it certainly feels like it. So, um, I'll give it the lightest of crashes. But right. if you didn't have the nostalgia factor, it's probably a smash for you. Yeah, I would say probably. All right. Very good. There you have it. It's the miniseries is wrapped up. We're going to take a quick break, and I hope you save some room because we're going to feed you. What? <laughs> good God. I'm bad at this. 165. <laughs> 
fucking episodes and I'm <laughs> no better than you when I started. <laughs> we should really just get you like a board with like pre-recorded stuff on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good just point. like kick it over to the third segment with something uh, a little funny that we wrote earlier. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. This half of it has a memorable dinner scene that we talked about in the Chinese food restaurant. We got some fortune cookies that each have their own little thing happening. There's like one with a eye. There's like some claws. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Terrifying stuff. So, Mike, why don't you tell our listeners what we're about to do? Sure. We're introducing... A new segment that will probably only ever run once because it's not a bottomless well of ideas. Right. Um, it's called A Meal to Die For, uh, inspired by the haunted food uh, of this film and and the steroidal version of this scene in the It Chapter 2, um, which we can maybe compare and contrast in two episodes. Sure. But... Um, uh, the premise is, is this. You are preparing a dinner for your mortal enemy. Mm-hmm. Each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's Eric. Yeah. Um, and, and the goal is you're going to create a small but thoughtful three-course tasting menu for your captive diner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to create this meal out of the most torturous horrifying grotesque or haunted foods from the annals of film history yes um and so we're each gonna do that one course at a time yeah and eric why don't you kick us off all right first up we have the appetizer course and mike i'm gonna address you directly (laughs) i hope you like getting your face smashed into the table because the shrimp cocktail hands from Beetlejuice oh, are going sure. to reach out, grab that face of yours, smash it right down to the cocktail sauce. Okay. You Do I get to eat anything? Sure, you can eat the hands. Okay. <laughs> It'll be horrifying. Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying this isn't a problem. It's yeah. simply, I'm just simply curious, am I actually getting fed during this course. Yeah, yeah, you can eat the shrimp cocktail hands after they smash your dumb face. Okay. That's <laughs> fantastic. Um all right. Well, you know, I didn't think I feel like you presented that really well and I'm realizing that I didn't really like do that. I didn't so I'll try That's okay. to I'll kind of like try to improvise, but it's probably going to be bad. Um sure. So, well, Eric I guess since we're just uh, facing off with our meals, then then I'm going to sit you down at my table. Uh, And, you know what, I'm going to 
I'm going to deviate a little bit from the classic sort of Italian course, the primi, mm. the secondi, the carne, and, <laughs> and we're going to jump right to the meats. Sure, yeah, I, yeah. I want to get you started with some meats, get a real good base in your stomach. I do um, love meat. And you like barbecue, right? Love barbecue. Well, great. There's nothing to be worried about here. We're just going <laughs> to eat some barbecue. All right. And it's going to be from uh, a, little, a little shack connected to a gas station <laughs> uh-huh. down in Texas. Ooh. Oh, those are good. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a family-owned business, Ooh. actually. I love so, to support a family. Yeah. And um, it's very much... Uh, farm to table or <laughs> you might say van to table uh, should i just not say what it is and move on <laughs> yeah moving on <laughs> okay great so eric's eating barbecue yummy <laughs> what no say what it is okay <laughs> it's a barbecue from texas chainsaw massacre uh, probably human <laughs> delicious yeah yeah well mike it's my turn to serve you my main course. Okay, give it to me, baby. And I hope you're hungry for the food that has been previously digested by the two people in front of you as you're <laughs> surgically attached to their oh, anus. No. <laughs> you, sir, no. are the back of the human centipede. Oh, my <laughs> God. Eating <laughs> shit two ways. <laughs> That's horrifying. Yeah, I know. Can't believe you would do something like that yeah, to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm positively <laughs> disgusted. I don't know. It's if a I'm disgusting have, movie. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to have any appetite uh, after this, but uh, we'll see if I can choke down a third course. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, my next dish is one that uh, will hopefully appeal to all the uh the vegans and the vegetarians out there um you know especially because you know it's yeah. what what better way to serve a meal than uh smoked meats followed by vegetables <laughs> uh i i'm trying new things at, in my home restaurant um so eric we're gonna we're gonna set you up with uh, a plate full of juicy nightshades uh, just some ver- some really big, juicy tomatoes. Oh. Uh, but be careful, Eric, because there's something special about these tomatoes. <laughs> Uh-oh. They're killer tomatoes. Oh, no. The attack of the killer tomatoes? That's right. You don't eat them. They eat you. Oh, Jesus. Uh-huh. Yeah, be... so. <laughs> it's just an ironic twist. Yeah. The only person this meal would be more horrifying for would be Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> Famously has never eaten a nightshade. Yeah, would never touch the things. Uh, okay, so there's your second course, which, I mean, honestly, would it have made more sense as a first course? Yeah, probably. Did no, I have it ready to meet? Did I have it ready to go when we started this segment? Maybe. No. Maybe not. <laughs> Well, finally, for me, I'm presenting you with the dessert course. You of like course. you you have a sweet tooth, don't you? I got a bunch of them. <laughs> well, I hope you're ready for some ice cream, like maybe yogurt-like stuff. And I'm talking about the stuff. The stuff. 
Yeah, that shit's going to turn you into a zombie and maybe it melts you. Oh, it's been a while since I've seen this stuff. Yeah, I think it uh, it definitely like blobs people kind of. Yeah, um, you get blobbed, my friend. Well, I'll tell you what, Eric, even though I know it's potentially fatal, I really want to taste the stuff. I want to taste the stuff, too. I really do. Yeah. I imagine so. it tastes like marshmallow fluff. I, well, it wouldn't for me because then I would not be excited by it at all. Oh, oh, you don't like fluff? No, I don't. I don't care for fluff. Uh, it's I, just sugar. Yeah, I do like it though. I like that's it. Okay. that. I grew up on fluff and nutters. That's okay. You're um, you're white trash. from Maine. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, I you know I don't want to do you that dirty, so of course I also arranged for a sumptuous dessert. Oh, thank you. To conclude your meal. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a British specialty almost. Ooh. Um, but I think, you know, in some of the satellite countries uh, that fall under or fell under the British Empire at various points in time, you know, it spread mm-hmm. throughout the world to your, um, I don't know, uh, your Australia's, your... Mm. Your India's maybe your New Zealand's. Um, this is a an egg based custard, Eric. Oh, uh, a thick, delicious custard. Ooh, uh, served up by a friend of mine. Uh, his name is Lionel. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, you know, I, I was like, I'm busy with the podcast. I got to get somebody else to cook. Mm-hmm. And so, who better than a guy who lives in New Zealand? I think it's very convenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to work out great for everybody. <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> uh, the the catch is he, he's he's a little bit of a mama's boy, so he's going to bring his mom to dinner too. Okay, so, I hope she's well. Yeah, she's well. She's very healthy. She's hearty and hale. Uh, psych. She's a zombie. No, in, from the movie Dead Alive. And and your your custard's gonna have uh, a bunch of bloody pus and an eyeball in it, Eric. Ugh. <laughs> and you're gonna have to eat it. Disgusting scene. It is. It is the scene that first came to my head when I was thinking about whether or not this was a viable <laughs> segment, which still remains <laughs> to be seen. Yeah, remains to uh, be seen. You let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know also what you'd like to feed us. Uh, with your own disgusting uh, do we want to things make that an open question to the audience yeah what would you like to feed us <laughs> <laughs> you can do so if you want to write to at killstreakpod at gmail.com follow us on instagram at killstreakpod next week we're going to be talking about it chapter one the 2017 movie mm-hmm. that is on max you know, what I was just thinking about is is one of the many things that's so dumb. Um, it's that uh, they, you know, HBOMax.com was probably a really easy URL to get. It was probably free. Mm. Oh, yeah. Max.com? How much money do we think they spent buying that URL? It makes huh? no sense. Anything they've been fucking doing makes no goddamn sense. But now I can watch Jared from Subway catching a monster. <laughs> so it's a trade-off. You take the good with the bad. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right, folks. We love you. And as always, there's nothing like a good pull on the old lung sucker. <laughs>